I'd like to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at four issues of joy here at Christmas time. Joy at Christmas time. And we want to start here at the end of Luke chapter 1. Because this shows us point number one in your outline. Here's the need for joy. Folks, we all have a need for it. And yet, I want to be clear in this that that the goal is not to have joy. But I want to talk about joy. So the goal is not to go searching for joy. Because joy is a fruit. Joy is a byproduct. Okay? And we need to understand that the condition or the setting of things before Jesus was born. And we need to understand that there had been some 400 years. Now, if we were looking at our lives 400 years ago, think about that. 400 years. So for the people of Israel, 400 years of God's what? Silence. God's silence. Not speaking, not working really, uh, as far as they could see, you know. But especially, no word from God. Silence. Okay? And all of a sudden, a stirring. Because two women were now pregnant. They were pregnant with little ones. That doesn't... It's not hard for most of you to imagine, you women. <laughs> but sometimes we, we, we have to be brought back to that thought. The, John the Baptist and Jesus, they're you know, real people, real people. And here they were in the womb at this moment that we're going to pick up here at Luke chapter 1. And Zacharias was in verse 67. Look at it. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying... Now, that's a, that's a familiar phrase, okay? Here's someone, especially like in the Old Testament, they were filled with the Spirit and they prophesied. Or, thus saith, thus saith the Lord. They came forth with saying something. Here's a message from God. And here's Zechariah's prophecy. And he starts by saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father, Abraham, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear, in holiness and in righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, now He's referring to John the Baptist, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, and you will go before the Lord to prepare His way, right? The one who, who goes on to prepare the way of the Lord. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, He's shouting out. And that's the ministry of John the Baptist that's being referred to here. But look at it as it goes on, verse 77. To give knowledge of the 
salvation, uh, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. See, right there in verse 79, we see the condition of things with Israel. And it was prophesied, and it was even happening in certain periods of time for Israel. And you can mark down, if you're taking notes, Isaiah 9, verse 2, that talks about this very thing. That's what he's quoting from, really. The people are in darkness. They're under the shadow of death. That's what number one is talking about in your outline. That's the the need for joy, if you will. The need for a redeemer. It's because, letter A, mankind's in darkness. And letter B, mankind is in the shadow of death. So this was much more than what people were concerned about, an economical condition. The, the prowess of Israel. <laughs> you know, no, not at all. It was about a spiritual condition. And this is, this is hope right here. For that very moment, here's hope. Why? Because God's on the move. And God is making His move and saying, here's, here's, I'm, I'm come through with my word. I gave you my word that a Messiah would come and I'm delivering. Okay? is that prophecy indicates the rising of the sun, really referring to the, the sun of righteousness. He's coming, and he's going to burst through the darkness. And that's what happened. The glory of God was revealed. God was on the move. Okay? So, that gives us the little background on the need for why there's why there's this joy from this story. Number two is it shows us the delivery, the delivery of joy. Look at chapter two now. We're going to jump. We we see more of the condition of things and and really the sovereignty of God in setting things up in chapter two one through seven. Okay, it's just really saying here's 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 the setting of things. People had to move about and go. You know. Uh, Get recorded in the, in the census there. Okay? They had to register each in his own town. But we want to look now at, here's, here's God delivering what he had promised in number two, point number two, starting at verse nine in Luke chapter two. Right, let's start at verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. Um, real quickly, shepherds, uh, uh de- really depicting a, a, a great humility. Shepherds were kind of the scums, you know, they, they were of no value, really. They're, you know, the other people were of higher status. Shepherds were not. And so here's the, uh, you know, directing our thoughts to humble people, lowly, lowly people. In everyone's estimation. Okay. So, verse 9 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news 
of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay? So, here's, here's what we see. God bringing forth His promise. And He did it by way the delivery of an announcement. Here's only one message. Not a number of them, but just one message. And along with that, He presented one Savior. Now, that's pretty basic. That's pretty simple. We know that. But I want us to understand how important that is. One message and one Savior. And this is the, this, here is the good news. And with it comes the reality of true joy. I, I, I bring you, here's, here's the good news of great joy. God's been bringing the, this has been building and mounting for, you know, hundreds of years. And here's the moment where the Messiah comes. And this is joy for the believer. Why? Because God's fulfilling His Word. It it connects with what we said last week. It connects in the fact that God's going to keep His Word. He's going to be faithful to do what He had promised now, the good news, some of you are aware of this, is the word euangelion, and it, it's the word for gospel. It's the gospel. Okay? Some of us th- think, oh, this is the good news. Jesus was born. Period. End of discussion. No. Well, it's, it's a life was born, and look at what happened to this life. That's the good news. Okay? And it doesn't, you know, end, you know, when the... Shepherds left and when the wise men left and okay, there's the good news. Don't, don't think that way. Let's get out of that little traditional box and think outside and think this is about a life that was born and God brought him about. The Holy Spirit conceived in, in, you know, Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary by way of the Holy Spirit. That's a miracle. Okay. We know that. We believe that. So, this is the good news. The gospel is being brought forth. And it's good news because I said God kept His promise that the Messiah would come, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, that the virgin would conceive and bear a son and call His name Emmanuel. It's good news that all this happened to bring forth a Savior for mankind. And they'll call His name Emmanuel God with us. See, this is, <laughs> this is the message. And the, the passage here says, it will be a great joy that will be for all the people. Okay? And so, those of you who have responded to faith in Christ, that's motivation right there to share that good news. Share the good news. Pass it on. Proclaim it. It's announcing good news. It's not to go and argue it. It's not to go and say, here's a good suggestion. No, it's news. You proclaim the good news by being like the angels, passing along the gospel. Have you had opportunity to do that recently? And you know what? That's important, my friend, that we 
have opportunity and look for it to share the good news because the Bible is saying it's for all the people. God would have all the people hear it. Will all the people respond? Not necessarily. We want to pray that they do. But if you're, if you are a believer in, in you're a child of God, we ought to be ready to share the good news. And if, remember, it's this idea again, if you share with three people and you share with three people, on and on through this week, guess how many people multiplied out get to hear the good news? But all too often, you and I are just happy campers that I've received it. That's good enough for me. I'm not, I wasn't saved to just hold it and hog it. But that's what a lot of us do. We hold it and hog it. And God help us to be a people that are ready to share it. I know. I haven't been faithful all the time ready to share. And so I've, I've demonstrated a hog in it. I want to be learning more and more to share it. Will you join me in that? Will you? You know, that, that's what the world needs. The world doesn't need more Coca-Cola. The world needs Jesus Christ. We need to be... We, we are the light bearers. And what better thing to offer people at Christmas time? Not just the traditions and the joy that we have in the shallow stuff. The, I, and those are nice. That's great. But in the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the gospel, being ready to share that. That's where there's joy. When you and I know the message and then pass it along. There's joy in that. Okay? Even when someone turns the message down, there's joy in my heart because why? I knew I did the right thing in sharing the gospel message. You might start it off by saying, hey, you know, come on to church. I'd love to invite you to church. But it can't just be inviting a person to church. We need to learn about sharing the gospel on the spot, out in the street, out in the store, wherever. God help us to have a good grip on the gospel message to be ready to share. Why? There's joy in that. Because there's joy in Jesus Christ. Now, that's the message. Secondly, under letter B, he gave only one Savior. Okay, he announced only one message and he gave only one Savior. Mary didn't have twins or triplets or quadruplets. Mary had one boy. Okay, the birth of Jesus. He has come. There he is. He's in Bethlehem. Go see him. That's what the angel's message was to the shepherds. Go and see him. You can find him. For unto you is born this day. And you will find the babe. Here's a real person that's just been born. Living. Breathing. Crying. Maybe screaming. I don't know. A real live person. And that's important. We, we kind of think, oh, well, I know that. But see... There's been Bible, uh, quote, I uh, should back up a second here. 
There's been teaching that's gone on in the name of Christianity that says he wasn't really, you know, he's kind of like a spirit. And he became the son of God and all that. No, he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And he suffered. And here, you know, here's, he didn't become the Savior. He was born the Savior. He didn't have to go through certain hoops and become, you know, God. He was God at birth. That's the idea of the incarnation, the miracle of the incarnation. A real man. He developed, he, he spent nine months in the womb. <laughs> Or so. <laughs> right? I, I want you to let that sink in. Here's a real man. He's the God-man. He developed through the stages of human life. Infancy, toddler, little child, older child, and on. He ate food. He slept. He got tired. He learned to trade for work. He was a carpenter. A real man. And notice that the angel says he's the Savior. That's what we go to next. He's the, the Savior. This, this is the term, uh, Jesus. The Lord is salvation. Yeshua. The Lord is salvation. That's the meaning. And it's all about being a deliverer. You know, sometimes you hear certain words, Christian words, and you say, oh, Savior. Okay, uh, Jesus, Savior. But that means he's the deliverer. He's the deliverer. Bringing forth deliverance from something that's not good. Deliverance from danger, if you will. Specifically, Jesus being Savior offers deliverance for you and I from the power and dominion of sin. My friend, if you're here this morning and you do not know what I'm talking about, you are still under the power and dominion of sin in your life and you need a savior and all the things you reach out for in life will not suffice they will not be a savior to you there's only one true savior jesus christ you must come to faith in him god anointed him right that's the next phrase he's the savior who is what christ the lord Christ, meaning anointed one. God appointed him to be the deliverer from the dominion and power of sin in your life. He's, he's the true one. And the word Christ is in Hebrew, the term Messiah. And we hear that, we've mentioned it, I've mentioned it, and you hear it, you know, as mentioned also. The Messiah, all that means is he's the, the sent and anointed one. Anointed for a divine mission of salvation. Okay? The divine mission of salvation. And Jesus was anointed as God's prophet to preach the gospel, as God's priest to offer what? Offer up himself for your sins and mine. He was anointed as king to rule and reign in righteousness forever. And thus the, the chorus that we hear from the angels, bringing forth what? On earth, peace, goodwill towards men in whom he is well pleased. 
That's the idea. God brought forth one message and one Savior, Christ the Lord. And all that builds what you see in your, in your Bible there. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then later on, here's the response of the angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom, with whom he is well pleased. God and you can be at peace. Are you at peace with God? I want to encourage you to let that sink in also. Are you at peace with God? And the way you can be at peace with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. The child of God enjoys the peace of God. But, my friend, if you don't have, the, have peace with God, that means you haven't been justified by faith. Romans chapter 5, mark it down, read it. Let it sink in. Let the Spirit of God do His work in your life to cause you to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And again, if you don't have peace with God, you will keep searching for things that will offer uh, you support. But they're like temporary crutches and eventually you're going to fall and those are going to break and you're not going to, you know, there's no standing there. Jesus Christ is the deliverer, the savior, the only one. And he's appointed and anointed by God to do that job. Some of you are witnesses of it. You've come to faith in Christ. You have peace with God. So that's number three, the testimony of joy. Number three, the testimony of joy. Look at um, uh, it's Luke chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Now, I say the testimony because here's the... This is something that can't be contained. Here's just what they, they know and what the only thing that's left to do. And that's with the mouth, speak forth praise. Here's the testimony of these witnesses, the angels first. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude. And then it, it's even more, a multitude of heavenly host. Okay? This is a humongous group of angels showing up, bursting through the scene and giving praise to God, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those who, uh, with whom he is pleased. Okay. So we have um, the example of a heavenly host. It's an overwhelming multitude appearing as witnesses of this incredible, miraculous birth. And witnessing this, there's only one response. Letter B, the expression of highest honor. It, there's nothing else that suffices. There's nothing else that comes close. It's got to be the expression of the people that are there or the angels that are there. And eventually the shepherds came and the wise men came and they praised God. They gave expression from their mouth, praising God. And their lives were changed. Now that's the picture for you and I. You say you've come to faith in Christ? Has there been a response of praise? Not just a one-shot deal. Well, yeah, I was there. I saw, you know, did it, done it. No, this is an ongoing issue of joy in your life. The Bible's full of issues of uh, ex- exhortations to rejoice in the Lord. 
to have joy in your life. So, the testimony of joy is from the heavenly host. And the, the expression is of highest honor. And just remember again, this is from the setting of darkness, the condition of spiritual darkness, and the fear of the shepherds. All of a sudden, here's the angelic worship and glorification. The dawning of hope fulfilled with the birth of a king. You see, you know, on the news, um, when England ends up uh, rejoicing over Prince William's little new child or whatever. You know, the whole nation is like, yeah! Excitement! And it's sad. Now, next week, next week we're going to talk about worship. It's similar, but there's different features of this. And we want to be understanding that there are people in Jerusalem that knew. They knew about the Messiah. They told the wise men, but they didn't go. And so, the important thing is, in our understanding of this testimony of joy, are we a part of this testimony of joy? Do you have the testimony of joy in your life? Okay? So, this is uh, uh, the expression of highest honor is just displaying a taste of heavenly worship. We're just joining in with the angels. The angel chorus saying, Glory, hallelujah! The king is born. So, it's interesting that Jesus himself also, when he was an adult facing Pilate, he referred to his own birth. He said to Pilate, you say that I am a king and you're right. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I've come to, into the world that I, Jesus, he's saying, that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate turns around and what does he say? What's truth? He was looking at him. Pilate was looking at truth because Jesus is the truth. And we would say in this context of this message, Jesus is our joy. Okay? Now, we wrap it up with number four, the battle for joy. The battle for joy. Why do I say the battle for joy? I mean, it sounds like there shouldn't be any struggle at all because we ought to just have... Have it down. I'm a believer. You're supposed to be joyful. And yet, I struggle. You struggle. We get down in the pits, down in the dumps of depression. Or am I the only one? <laughs> no, we all struggle with that. It's in our circumstances. We struggle with joy a response of joy in our circumstances because why? I didn't get my way is really what it boils down to. I, I didn't figure this out. I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. So I, I don't have joy because things didn't turn out the way I thought they would. It's in our relationships. We don't have joy because of something that my brother or my sister or whoever said to me or did to me. And now I, 
I got a big stress load on me because of relationships. It does get stressful, whether it's circumstances or relationships. You all know that. Young people too. It's not just the older folks. It's just that, you know, the older you get, the more it seems to be like, eh, you know, as we say. <laughs> Hard to handle. Paul told Euodia and Syntyche, he, he gave, Paul gave them counsel. And Paul was writing to them. And where were they? They were in the church at Philippi. And Euodia and Syntyche weren't getting along. Remember? What did Paul say to them? And where is Paul writing from, by the way? Paul's writing this from a dungeon. And what is he saying? Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known. The Lord is near. That's what he told those two who are not in prison, who are in the body, And he said, get along. And what he meant was, rejoice in the Lord. Let that sink in, brother and sister. Because it's like, (laughs) how many problems are we facing and wrestling with regarding other people? And you know what it's saying? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice is to say, you know what? God's still on his throne. God is still in control. God is what? Sovereign. I might not understand all that and you might not understand all that, but certainly we can start saying to ourselves, what? Rejoice in the Lord. I'm, I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to do that. That's what the Bible tells me. I want to do that. <clears throat> so, Listen, wherever Jesus does his work, we'd like to see him do more work here in our local community in Fallon, that Jesus would would uh, grab someone, so to speak, and cause them to come to faith in Jesus Christ and their life would be changed. And you know what Jesus does when he does that? He puts a new song in the person's life. It's a new song. He gives a song of praise in their hearts. And what all that is, is what? Here's the byproduct of Jesus' work is joy. Would you stop and think, if you've been saved for any length of time, would you stop and think the joy that you had when you first came to faith in Christ? I couldn't believe it. I was very much aware of my sin and my guilt before a holy God. And I could not believe it that I was forgiven. I was forgiven. He pardoned me because of his perfect work. He pardoned me. I'm forgiven. And a song of praise came forth. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm sorry for you guys that don't sing. Okay. Just the way it is in my heart. I love music and love to sing praises. You know what? I want to ask you, do you feel like you've been robbed of joy in your life? 
That's a trick question. Because a lot of times what it is is that we're actually um, feeling like I've been robbed of joy, but it's really been how I perceive the circumstances. I end up doubting God. You end up doubting God. And we end up doubting that he's really that strong and mighty or that much in control. And that perspective builds up more and more. And I end up with a negative perspective. You end up with a negative perspective on life. And uh, you know people that are really just negative a lot of times. Well, what's the reason behind it? It's their focus in life. What are they focusing on? Themselves. And I want to encourage you and me about that perspective issue. I'm, what's behind it? And when I have a negative outlook, that opens the door for me being more despondent and just normally gloomy. That's what's behind a lack of joy. And regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our troubles, Christians are called to look to Jesus Christ, not to some how-to book. Look to Jesus. He's the author of your faith. And He knows what's best. And He loves you more than any of those authors will ever love you. <laughs> look to Jesus. And don't look to Him just for your, quote, relief. That's what we're also good at. Oh, really trouble. Jesus, help. No, don't look to Jesus just for your relief, but look for Him for the grace to rejoice in the trouble. That in the trouble you will rejoice. It's a tough spot. We all know that. Young people, you'll get there and you'll see it more and more. It's a tough spot to be in distress or to be downhearted. But let me say this, you and I need to identify those little things, not the major things, but the little things in life that tend to lead you down a pathway of distress. We all get distressed. <laughs> okay? What are the little things that get you down? And, and start identifying them. And, and start at home. You know, there's little things at home that I know. It's like, I must bug Noreen. I don't know how often, you know. And, and yet, identify those little things and say, I'm going to change that. Okay? By His help, by His strength. And then, I tell you what, you want to have joy, um, you understand that it's important to acknowledge your depression or acknowledge your distress. Acknowledge it. The psalmist did. The psalmist acknowledged it. And to help us, in a positive sense, here's the idea. Psalm 1611. Just write them down. Here's some verses that I'll share. Psalm 1611 says, In thy presence is fullness of joy. Not partiality, but fullness of joy in his presence. So, in his presence, for you and I, understand understand Jesus more and the, the message of the Bible more. Read and pray more. Just pick it up more. Do more of it. Spend time with Him. In His presence is fullness of joy. 
Psalm 18, verse 1 through 3. The Lord, listen to this. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my shield. He's the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And so shall I be saved from mine enemies. You know, I don't have King Saul chasing me. You don't have King Saul chasing you around the mountains and wilderness of Fallon, Nevada. What do you have chasing you? What wants to take dominion in your heart and mind? Worry. Again, nothing huge, nothing major, but basic things. Worry, depression, you know, just being down and out. Don't, you know, I, I can't just say, don't do that. Work through it and identify the things that cause those, it starts opening up the door more and more for that to come flooding in on you. A lot of it's, it comes back to your perspective. And my perspective and your perspective as believers in Jesus Christ must be seen through the lens of Scripture. God doesn't change. God's on His throne. And He will be glorified. Whether you do it or not, He'll be glorified. And then Psalm 42 why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. I shall yet praise Him. There's the hope and there's the joy. Okay? So, Psalm 42. Write it down. So, fight off these things that keep you from Jesus. Doubt. Jesus talked to His disciples. O ye of little faith. That's you and I also. We need to grow in our faith. The idea of distance, that, that's a, another term that we think of. Distance. Am, am I distant from Jesus? Do I f- sense that? Think of Mary and Martha. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. She was close, right there listening to Jesus and focused on Jesus. And Martha was scurrying about. Stay near to Him. Draw near to Him. And listen... Proverbs 24, verse 10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. That's an interesting little phrase there to remind us of, what am I leaning on? How am I gaining strength in my life? So joy, as we wind it up here and conclude, joy is the byproduct of a real vital encounter with God. It's an experience with God. Here's the byproduct of it, is joy. Paul said, joy is the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So the more you remember and recall and rely on and rejoice in the person of Jesus and the message of Jesus, the more you will know of this joy. And the more you'll know of this joy because you will be growing in your understanding of Jesus more and more. It's not about, you know... It's not about church attendance. It's not about how many times you serve or whatever. It's about knowing Jesus Christ and His message. So both knowing and embracing the message of the good news and the person of Jesus Christ results in joy. Not just at Christmas time, my friend. All year long joy. God help us with that. You with me? Let's pray. Let's stand up. And I'm going to read this passage as we close. And may we go out in the joy of the Lord because of His good word and His good work in our lives.
um, just please bow your head right where you're at. And I'm reading from Psalm 98 as we close. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have worked salvation for Him. The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered His steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Bring forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with the trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that it, that fills it. The world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the earth, the world, with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Thank you, dear God, for our time. And thank you for the example that you give us in your word that you came through with your promise because the world needed a savior. And you came through in your sovereignty in your faithfulness, you gave us one message and one Savior and help us to join in with the testimony of joy, not just in our lives, but on our lips. Lord, may we give praise to your holy name this day as we hang out with other people, as we take time to rest and recuperate, as we quiet our hearts, Lord. Thank you that Jesus, you came, you broke through the darkness, and that we can claim you as the light of the world, because you are. Be glorified in our time, we pray, as we carry on in this day. In Jesus' name, amen.